I'm Meg Dahl, your Unbreakable host. Welcome to the show. Hey guys, and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Unbreakable You podcast. Now, for today's episode, it's a good one. I have my friend Danielle De La Valle on for a second time, and we have such a great chat. I actually had a really difficult time naming or titling this episode. It was really difficult to come up with a title because Danielle and I talk about so many different things and I know you are going to enjoy everything. So let me give you a little bit of a recap or a summary of what you can expect from this episode. So first up, Danielle and I, we started talking about comparison and I, this wasn't a topic that her and I were planning on talking about. So it just naturally blossomed from our conversation. And I'm really happy it did because so many of the women that I chat with and work with on a daily basis really struggle with comparison and we get stuck in what many of us know to be as the comparison trap. So I am very excited for you to listen to what Danielle and I both have to say about working through that comparison trap. We also talk about the psycho-spiritual work that we all need to be doing in order to feel empowered within our lives and just for personal growth. So we're talking about doing shadow work, pulling tarot cards, oracle decks and all of that fun stuff that I do as well. And you will notice that we talk about eclipse season. Now, eclipse season happened in July. You may remember this if you do pay attention to what's happening with the eclipses and astrology. If you pay any attention to astrology whatsoever, I'm sure you will remember eclipse season back in July. So I feel like um, with a new season, it's October now. And yeah, July was a ways away, but I would like you to use that conversation that Danielle and I have about the July eclipse season, it's a really great way for you to reflect on what happened. And maybe you weren't being observant about what was happening in your life back in July. I would really love for you to use this episode as a prompt for you to go back and reflect and just reflect on what was coming up for you in July. Was it a really difficult month for you? What was 
coming up for you energetically, emotionally, mentally? What were you going through in July? So maybe after this um, podcast episode here, you can open up your journal, crack it open and have a really great journal sesh and make some sense of some things if you haven't put those pieces together yet. So there's a lot packed into this episode because Danielle and I also talk about her book, Happy Weight, which I own myself and I highly recommend. It is such a beautiful masterpiece that Danielle has worked so hard on and we go into some updates that are happening on the book later on in this podcast. So you'll definitely want to check that out. And before we cut over to my interview with Danielle, I do just want to give a couple more reminders. So number one, Danielle has a company, a brand new company called Your Wellness Academy. You can check them out on Instagram, but it is an online wellness resource for you. So it's accessible and affordable online wellness courses. So definitely check out your wellness academy. This is Danielle's brand new company. And finally, she has a podcast and that podcast is called Vulva Magic. And I was actually on this podcast. So if you remember back in August, I got my period back for the first time in 12 years. And I'm really excited about the interview that Danielle did with me because it was the very first interview I ever did with someone about getting my period back after 12 years. So if you want to tune into that, definitely go jump over to Danielle's podcast after you're done listening to this episode. Check out all of her episodes, but definitely give that one a listen with me where I share more of my story of getting my period back. I know you girls will love it if you've been enjoying the topics that I've been sharing around that um experience within my life. I love talking about it because I know that's something that so many other women struggle with as well. So enough from me. It is Thanksgiving weekend approaching here in Canada. So happy Thanksgiving to all of my fellow Canadians. I will be traveling on Thanksgiving. I am heading out again on the Health Beyond Food Tour. So if you live in Sudbury, hit me up reach out. We have lots of events in Sudbury for the next two weeks. I am looking forward to chatting with you ladies again next week. And in between then, don't forget to take a screenshot if you're listening to this episode, share it on Instagram and be sure to tag me so I can thank you. Love you. Anyways, so you do most of the talking today. (laughs) Honestly, though, like I said, before we actually started recording, it's just so nice to have one of my one of my friends on the show again. This is your second time. Well, I can't even believe like, I mean, I can believe it because I want to have you on all my podcasts all the time, but (laughs) 
just am grateful to you to have me on again. And, you know, being a repeat, a repeat offender. <laughs> of course, there's not too many of those. So welcome back. <laughs> Well, I love you. So I love you too, sister. And honestly, I, I remember you posting something. I'm pretty sure I know which post on Instagram, um, but it prompted me to have you back on the show. And I think it was book related, your book, Happy Weight. Yeah, it was getting some attention. So we can talk about that. But before we did hit record again, clearly you and I had such a great little combo before we actually hit record today. But you were saying that it seems like you're really getting into who you really are and you're in this good, juicy flow and you're not comparing yourself to anyone and you're just doing you. I love that. Yeah, it's it's a, it's kind of a surreal feeling, you know, because you like set out on this path of self-help and you like do the work and you do the work and you do the work and you're like, is it to no end? Like what is actually going to happen? Or like, where, where's the culmination point? And then it like struck me like a bolt of lightning. And I'm just like, I like just really don't give a shit about what other people think anymore. Life is so good. I feel super grateful every day. I'm like so aligned with my purpose. And especially with this new company I'm releasing in the fall, like everyone has come like out of the woodworks to support me. So I feel like all my friendships I've developed over the years are like super fruitful. And I don't know, life just feels pretty unreal in the fact that like I no longer compare myself to other people because I recognize that like, we are all beautiful and unique. And once we embrace that, we do not care about what other people think anymore. And it feels mm-hmm. good because I'm like, nobody can be me. I am the only Danielle Del Valley that will ever exist. And it feels really good. <laughs> I love that. So actually, the first time you were on the show, we were talking about doing the work. So that's really interesting that you brought that up again. But can we talk a little bit more about that comparison because I feel like a lot of us ladies are hung up on comparing ourselves to others and clear I mean you and I we've both been there right but it sounds like you hopped out of that space and you're in your flow so going back to that though what were you comparing yourself to in regards to other women I think in a space like, I mean, where I grew up in Southern California, it was always like there was an unrealistic body type, you know, that that helped to prompt me to write happy weight, you know, to talk about that kind of like dispelling the the myths of of beauty in the world and, and how we should look at ourselves. But then it started to change into entrepreneurship. And I actually talked to um, Beth Manos Bricky at Tasty Yummies. We talked about this on her podcast that our body image issues turned into our issues with our career. So then we started to like hustle till we die kind of. And then we would like look at other women that were super successful and think that we were garbage. And like, we really shared that moment. And then I started to recognize that like, ew, I don't want to be that person either because what happens when we're insecure, it actually is really dangerous. It changes your perception of other people it changes the way you treat other people. It changes the way you treat yourself. And just like your general outlook on life is 
perpetually negative. And so I started to recognize that like, I, I didn't want to be in that space anymore. Like, I don't want to compare myself to other people because I want to be in a space where I'm so empowered in my own self that I can lift other women up and I don't need to gossip or cut people down or, you know, do all of the things that, I mean, I know I'm going to say this phrase a lot in this podcast, but the patriarchy loves to pit women against each other so that they don't notice what's happening around them in terms of consumerism and oppression and, you know, yada, yada, yada. So I would rather step into like an evolved state of being the bigger person and just like lifting other people up. I'm, I'm tired of the negative. I'm very much a participant of call out culture. So I will call people out on their bullshit, but I I'm just done with being like a gossipy bitch, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Hey babe, before we go any farther, do you know your Enneagram type? I'm a two, but when I'm feisty, I turn into an eight for sure. For sure. For sure you do. That's awesome. I was like, I don't know if she's totally an eight, but there's some eight. I'm reading an Enneagram book right now. And it's like when we're stressed, we kind of shift into another number. And I'm I'm not super positive on what twos shift to, but I know, um, I'm a four and things can turn and start looking a lot like ones for fours. Um, so anyways, it would be interesting if like the two and the eight are connected in that sort of way. I'm sure like right after this podcast recording, I'll hop off and I'll go do some research, but, um, anyways, that makes sense. It's true. When we're pushed into a corner, we, we totally amplify the presence of being an eight. And I feel like that's kind of the realm that I operated in for a long time. I was angry. I would just like outwardly, you know, like just totally be emotionally expressive and wasn't really embodying what it is to be a two. And I'm a Libra as well. So like I have these natural inclinations to weigh and measure information and be really introspective. And I wasn't tapping into my introspection. And that's where I kind of lost myself a little bit. And I felt very ungrounded for a long time because I felt like I always needed to perform at this level that was unsustainable. And then so that it kind of like aggravated this personality type that wasn't who I really am. So Mm. happy to get back to the very hippy dippy kind of like flowy person I was, you know, in my younger years. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. And also going back to what you shared about what you talked about with Beth, I, first of all, I definitely want Beth on the show. Her and I have been talking about it for over a year now, um, getting her on the show, but I know she's busy crushing life over there, but yeah, what a great, topic to talk about in regards to like us women kind of comparing our bodies to each other. And then all of a sudden we become entrepreneurs and we're preaching like, well, not preaching, but where our message is body love and, you know, self-acceptance, but then we're comparing our businesses to each other. That's, that's a huge connection there. It's really eye-opening. 
It really was for both of us to be able to like express that. And she was the one that prompted it because it had gone on between a session between her and her therapist. And it was, had brought, they had brought to her attention and I, I resonated with it and we talked about it in depth. And I think it's almost like anything where there's a void. If there's a void in like, say for instance, if you grew up in a family that has a heavy emphasis on achievement then you're going to be that way in your career or your academics. You're always going to feel like a lacking aspect. Or if you grew up, you know, uh, with a heavy upbringing of body shame, you know, or body dysmorphia. So then you're going to compare yourself to other women in your bodies, or it can even go into really interesting subsects like spirituality or religion, or even, you know, just like, just little different levels of an ideal of perfection. That's what people are trying to achieve. It's perfection in any way, shape or form. And it comes from a void that is kind of like deeply embedded in us. And then we're always trying to make up for something that we actually should be focusing on the wound and not the outcome of how we're projecting that wound. Right. So Mm-hmm. That's what I recognized, <laughs> but nobody yeah. wants to do the shadow work. You know? No, no. And I know actually I want to talk about shadow work with you because I know you're very like you love astrology stuff and really aligning yourself with the moon cycles and those types of phases, really embodying all of that. And I love knowing more and more about that. And I've really been getting into that more over the years. And I'm not sure if you experienced the same, but over this eclipse season that happened in July, a lot of shadow stuff has been coming up for a lot of people, right? Yeah. So I, um, I mean, I'm not going to say I'm an astrology expert by any means, cause that's not my bread and butter, but I do follow a lot of people that are very skilled in that practice. And Essentially, this lunar event that took place in July was actually the, it was the breaking point of, if you are of our generation, it was the last nine years of your life. And if you're of the previous generations, it was the last 35 years of your life. So it was essentially processing all of that time and the wounds from that time and the traumas from that time. And it was like, literally like kind of do or die, like do the work and look at your shit or it's going to follow you around until you figure it out. And so I have a lot of my friends were knocked out by it, knocked out. Like they're like, I need to go to therapy. I might need antidepressants. And it's like, it might be time to get a shadow work journal and start to look at your, your, your stuff that you're not dealing with. So it was, it's, was really intense, but I say, and I'm not saying I'm better than other people. The result of doing the work is that I felt energized by that lunar event. I felt loved. I felt safe. I felt I could run a marathon. And that's what happens when you've been able to go to the depths of your soul and cleanse yourself in the aspect of like you face your deepest stuff and you say, it's okay. And I'm okay. And let's move on, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's just like evidence of doing the work. Right. So when I first heard 
like, oh, my shadow self is appearing here or, you know, like with this lunar eclipse stuff, the shadow self presenting itself. I didn't really know what that meant. This was years ago. So if anyone's listening to us now and they're like shadow self, what are they talking about? Can you kind of go into that? Yeah, essentially. So our shadow self is, is the other half of who we are. So we have our very like hyper positive, you know, part of our life. That's like more or less survival mode. That's our higher vibrating aspect of our personality. And then our shadow work is the, is the deeper parts of our past or even past lives or, you know, any sort of like genetic memory that is only recognized when we sit still, when we meditate, when we actually focus on lessons that need to be learned, any pains, traumas, insecurities, anything that... And this is actually not my phrase. This was um, my friend Kim Perez, who runs Root and Branch Nutrition. She has a friend who told her that um, triggers are our teachers. And so that's a great definition of shadow work is that anything that triggers you, anything that makes you hypervigilant, anything that brings you into a state of like anxiety or depression or just literally throws you off balance, something that needs to be dealt with. That's your shadow work. And people don't want to do it. And that's why we have so many issues with communication or female friendships or, you know, living in a non-competitive space. I mean, some competition is healthy because it actually helps to breed creativity. But at the level that it's happening in wellness and in like the female community, it's like people aren't actively focusing on their faults. Because everyone... And okay, so I'm going to segue a little bit. I know we want to really get to the root and the definition of shadow work. But I think this has a huge part of people being the in the culture right now of saying, it's okay to not be okay. Let's embrace that not okay. And yeah, that a percentage of that is okay. But when we over amplify the negative and the weakness, we will never work on it. We will never progress. We will never try to get to a space where we can find balance. And people are like, it's fine that I'm, you know, and this is no offense to anyone who has mental health issues because I used to have a ton of them myself. But if you're like, I'm depressed and it's okay. And I'm going to be on medication for the rest of my life when I actually have things I could do to fix that. I don't believe that that's a healthy space for people. So, right. So you're kind of saying like, Okay, if you had a lot of shit come up over that July eclipse season, that was a sign or a trigger for you to go deeper and do the work, right? Because if we go in and do the work, then we can experience like kind of smoother sailing through the next big eclipse or energetic shift, right? Yeah, I think it's really, it's about daily practice. Mm -hmm. The thing that a lot of people don't want to dedicate the time to it, you know, and it doesn't have to be hours on end, but there needs to be a portion where you are, you're pouring your soul into something, whether it's art or journaling, or if you like yoga or, you know, even like forest bathing meditation, there needs to be a call to action on a consistent basis. 
you need to be able to process and recognize that there is an emotional, you know, sort of either imbalance or rebalancing happening. And then also identifying what is happening. So I, I identify what is happening through tarot. That's my guide. So I'll pull my, you know, I'll do a Celtic cross spread and that'll really kind of like translate everything that's happening. And I, you know, will be able to kind of like cleanse and get to a space where understanding what's actually happening. And of course, I rely very heavily on vulnerability and female friendship. That's really important. That's something that's very difficult for people is being able to be raw, apologetic, and being able to allow people to hold space for you. Mm-hmm. So it, it's just really like people take so many supplements all of the time, but they don't recognize that there is this other emotional or like psycho spiritual aspect that needs to be your daily vitamin as well. So Ooh. the shop knock you out if you don't work on it. I love that. The daily vitamin, like thinking of like meditating, journaling, all of that, those like soul nourishing practices as our daily vitamins, rather than like adding more like maca powder to our smoothies or whatever the hell. (laughs) No. Yeah. Take your, take your, take your soul vitamins. (laughs) I absolutely love that. So you brought up tarot. I just turned 28 in June and I did a tarot spread then. And I, I'm i just curious, like, because this is, again, another like kind of new-ish area for me, um, pulling cards for myself and things like that. So I think it'd be fun to talk to you about this. And since that's one of your favorite things to do during like those times, um, what's your favorite spread to do? I did like the past, present and future. Like I pulled three cards and kind of looked at it as, okay, this is what the past, present, future. But how do you go about um, pulling cards for yourself? Yeah, so I have um, I have a traditional tarot deck and then I have an oracle deck and Some people have like 15 different kinds of decks. And that to me is a little overstimulating because I already have enough clutter in my life. I am like obsessed with books. So I try and keep my, my spiritual practices very like right in front of me on my desk and easy to kind of like mess around with if I need them. But when I'm trying to really process a lot of information, especially on a full moon that was like a partial lunar eclipse and considered a super moon... The Celtic cross is pretty profound because it's 10 cards and it's past, present, future, self, opposing factor, hopes and fears, final outcome. And if you come in with an intense question, you know, and there is no yes or no, you can't really ask Tara yes or no, because it's not definitive. It needs to be subjective. So you have to ask a really deep subjective question. And then it's, it's great to have a very very detailed um, book of interpretation because some of the books are very like they're one power paragraph, but that might not resonate. So you need someone who's really going to explain keywords, you know, uh, possibilities of positive and negative, and then maybe thought provoking questions. So those are the really, those are the best tarot guides that I love. And I'm, I'm not a tarot professional, so I don't, I didn't spend the last 10 years learning the ins and the outs of the cards and then how to read them to people. This is just my personal practice. So 
I'll do the Celtic cross when I really need it. I'll do the past, present and future if I'm feeling slightly conflicted. And then I'll do the daily if I feel like I need a little bit of inspiration. But the Oracle deck is completely opposite in the fact that it's like a key message from source. And it's never wrong. You know, it's like every time I pull one, it's literally forcing me into a space that I really need to focus on. So I think these are great prompts for people because yes, there are professionals, but those professionals took years to learn their craft. We can't become, you know, a tarot reader or an Oracle guide just tomorrow. You know, those are things that take time. And sometimes you have someone that passes that information and knowledge down to you. So I rely on other women and their amazing capability to do that. And I even have um, a lunar journal that keeps me aware of the lunar events to focus on. And then it even has like prompted questions on what is going on during that lunar event. So it helps me to journal and kind of focus. So that's awesome. I'm actually so happy you brought that up because I had the moon book I don't know. I'm pretty sure that's what it was called. And I loved it. And it was like from July to December and then January to June or whatever. But I guess it was only a three year pilot project. And unfortunately, I jumped in at the very last one. So it was like it ended December 2018. So I don't have a moon journal now or a lunar journal. So what are you using? Well, that same author actually ended up developing a lunar calendar that has journal inserts. Okay, sweet. Yeah, because it was it was a really emotional project for her. I so had read. I don't know her personally, but I had also used her books. And I guess it was just really hard to keep that project alive because it was so much work. Oh. And shifted into the calendar that has the journal prompts. Um, so if you guys want to look at her journal, it's Gottes on Instagram. But I actually found a different one um, because I I like panicked when I found out she wasn't going to be publishing those books and I bought a different one. So I've been using Urban Witchery. Um, it's a gal in the UK. And so, but they're all great. I mean, all these women are mystics. They know what they're doing. You right. know, I don't, there's the wrong one. So. Right. But you've been enjoying that new one that you've grabbed. I really do. She prompts tarot spreads and like yoga poses for different times of year and really goes in depth into the Wiccan calendar, which is really great. So I get to, you know, know that the Sabbaths are coming and how to celebrate them. And it's just, it's really fun. You know, I wish I would have reached out to you because I too, when I found out that I couldn't buy a new one for January, 2019, I was like, no, (laughs) I loved having this so much. So dang it that I'm just finding about out about this now. But anyways, I can figure it out in the new year. You can be but ready for 2020. <laughs> yes, exactly. By the way, how insane is that? Um, yeah, so bananas. It's crazy. It feels weird. Like, I feel like time is getting faster. Or maybe it's when you're older and you just have a lot to do. I don't know. I truly feel like it must be an age thing because... Every single year, it feels like it gets faster and goes by faster. So it's like, it's got to be an age thing, right? 
I think so. Cause I think our perception of time is different. We're not bored by things, you know? We yeah. Have, like there's literally never any time to be bored. I can't remember the last <laughs> time I was bored. Me neither. Even when I'm relaxing, I'm not bored, you know? No, no it's like finally so I'm not doing anything. Yeah. When I was a kid, napping was like the worst thing that could ever happen to me, you know? So I don't know. Yeah. That's so funny. Okay. So I do actually, like we super got sidetracked, but thank, like, thanks to me, it wasn't you, but I kept asking you about tarot and eclipses and things like that. But I do want to talk a little bit more about comparison. So clearly you saw that you had been comparing yourself in one way or another to other women and their businesses or whatever. So I hear from so many women that they have such a hard time getting out of that comparison mentality. So when you recognize that, what were some action steps that you actually began to take to remove yourself from that headspace because a lot of women struggle with that. Yeah, I would say um, I started to do a lot more reflection and saw a lot of the things that I had accomplished in a really short period of time that I was not giving credit where it was due. Um, Because I mean, you and I are similar in that way. We're like, what's the next project? What's the next thing I'm working on? You know, and it wasn't, I wasn't taking time to celebrate that I had created, you know, even this book, I created a phenomenal book. Like it changed lives. And I, as soon as I published it, I was like, okay, what am I going to do next? I didn't even think like, holy crap, you just dedicated eight months of your life to writing a book while working two jobs and you made a good one and you should be proud of that, you know? And the thing is, I started to recognize that it's a common theme with women that we do not stop to take pride in our accomplishments. We think pride is bad. We think ego is bad. We think confidence is bad. But who are the people that typically have all three of those? Successful men. They're the ones running the world. Why aren't we running the world? Because we think pride, ego, and confidence are bad. And I was just like, wait a second here. And I don't know if you ever listened to Women of Impact with Lisa Bilyeu, but there was a guest on recently who was talking. She sold this pharmaceutical drug that was revolutionary for women for a billion dollars. And she could never talk about the fact that she sold a company for a billion dollars. Because she was like, oh, that's bad to talk about those things. I shouldn't talk about money. I shouldn't like, you know, say that I'm, you know, doing all this stuff. And I, I started to recognize that I've done some pretty cool things in my life. And I'm a good person. And I treat people well. And I'm a good wife. And wait a second, I have amazing friends in my life. What do I have to complain about? So I think that's when it stopped. That's when I stopped caring so much about what other people were doing. Because I recognize that inherently life is good. And unless you're living in a war-torn country or you're dealing with oppression or you're dealing with something that is not good, if you have other things that are good in your life, we should be so quick to just think 
that everything needs to be better than it already is. Right, right. So kind of two things for people to do if they are finding themselves in that comparison mentality or just like trapped in comparison mode because it's so easy to like literally live in comparison day by day, right? So number one is like really stop focusing on the future and like what's next? How do I get better? And I've even recently caught myself, you know, saying, oh, I should be doing that better or I should be doing that more or I need to get better at that. And and I literally, when I say words that kind of mirror that statement, I'm like, no, wait, like that's not what I mean. You know, I want to start focusing on that more. Like I kind of rephrase it saying like, I want to be doing this um, versus saying like, oh, I need to be doing that better because it's like, no, I actually don't need to be doing that better. Like, (laughs) you know what I mean? Um, Just kind of rephrasing things. So yeah, stop focusing so much on the next project, like you said, and just really take ourselves out of that focus of the future. And then also focusing on what we have done. That's huge. And you know, I'm so into that. I created Celebrate You Sunday on Instagram. And I mean, like, okay, I will be completely honest and transparent. Like, very few people chime in on that day. Okay. What? Oh, like, look at, you can scroll through. I have them all hashtag Celebrate You Sunday. And you can look at all the posts. Um, And I'm telling this to thousands of people right now on the podcast. You can go look at all those posts. There's not many people that will celebrate themselves. I've been doing this for over two years, I think now. Like I started January 1st of some year, like a while ago, right? And I stick with it every single Sunday, despite the fact that Not a lot of people are showing up and actually celebrating themselves, but it's because I'm so passionate about showing women that it's okay to be freaking proud of yourself. Like we need to be. Amen. Because when we actually are, and I mean, we can go into a little bit of like neuropsychology for a second. Mm -hmm. Do it. Let's go. When we start to activate gratitude and mindfulness and we live presently and we recognize the positivity we have in our life, and then we start to perpetuate positive thought process. And then it goes into, it becomes a physiological experience. And then we start to anchor that positivity and then it starts to bleed out and flow into every aspect of our life. And so the power of positive thinking is scientifically proven and if we get to that space, it can actually happen. And it's it's really been something lately of like me making sure I know where my thoughts are coming from. What am I doing with them? How are they impacting other people? And it's really about just getting to that space we, where we are changing, like rewiring our brain, like rewire those aspects of our neural connectivity that actually helps to perpetuate positivity. 
And I don't think we should live in toxic positivity. We do have to recognize that there is an ebb and a flow. That's a natural state in life. But if we're not celebrating ourselves, if we're not proud of our accomplishments, if we're not exuding confidence, then we're just and sad and broken. And that doesn't help anyone. It doesn't help the people around you. It doesn't empower the women that come after you. You know, I have nieces that watch everything I do. And if I, you know, I, it, I don't know, because I'm not a mother, but I, I find that there is an impact there as well of being a family member that's watching over other people. But if you're not that positive influence, it's just going to trickle down to everything else. So the work that you do, Meg, is like paramount, but it proves that women have such a hard time with vulnerability. They have such a hard time with talking about the things they're good at because they think somehow that it's bad to brag or bad to flex or bad to like talk about the shit that they do that's really hard that makes their life better. You know? But how amazing it is. Congratulate yourself. Yeah. And all of us are sitting around seeing everyone else and being like, oh, that's awesome that they did that. Oh, they're doing so good. But it's like, sit down and you've done like a million awesome things this week. Let's let's name one. Just one. I just want you to name one. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> you know? Even if it's making it through the day. If I you've know. Had- time like you need to be proud of that yeah yeah I always say anything goes right yeah yes yeah so a lot of good things have been happening with your book so why don't we kind of like highlight that a little bit I know last time you were on we actually never talked about your book all that much I don't think um and it's been a long time since you've been on anyways so Let's talk about this amazing book that you did write that is clearly changing lives of many women. Yeah, so I wrote a book called Happy Weight and it was published in January of 2017. And of course, you know, a month after I published, I thought nothing was happening. This isn't going anywhere, which is just delusional thinking. <laughs> because if I, I rewind now and look at the last two years, it's been pretty, pretty, um, I mean, better than I could have ever expected. So Happy Weight essentially is a book about body positivity, but it meets nutrition and covers topics of body neutrality and goes into the depths of what it is to be a woman and how to accept change and accept who you are and try and find a space where you feel different than you did before. You know, I don't want to use the word better or, you know, any sort of sort of indifferent finite term, but you feel different than you did before. And it really does make you face everything. And it's been said in some of the reviews, like if you're not ready to do the work, you might have to leave it in your library for a little bit or pick it up after reading a couple of other books. Or if you're just brand new on your food journey, you might not be ready for it yet because it is, I mean, for anyone who's listening that does follow me on social media, or even if you don't, I'm a pretty intense person and I make people look at the deepest part of themselves in order to get through the work and to do the work in order to find a space where they can 
love and accept themselves. So it's 11 chapters. There's a little bit of memoir aspect to it. And um, I did do Kindle and audiobook, which is really rad. And but I will have, I'm going to change the cover soon, which I'm really sad about, but that's, that's big. So tell us more about that because the cover was a really big thing for you, right? Yeah. I mean, it was like, it was my heart and soul. Like I'm probably going to cry a little bit to give up the cover, but essentially, um, no traditional advertising will take the book because of the controversial cover. And I'm a controversial person. I'm okay with being that way. You know, I don't even fully fit in the wellness community because of my ideals, you know? So it's just, it is what it is, but the, I don't want happy weight itself to suffer. And I don't want women to not be able to access it because traditional it. But it, it proves to you how messed up society is that they're not accepting normal bodies yet. So messed up because if anyone doesn't know what the cover of your book looks like, and I'm sure that after this episode, everyone's going to like hop on Google and be searching happy weight just so they can see the cover. But it's I mean, of course, it's different than what typical book covers look like. But in my eyes, when you said that it wouldn't be allowed to be marketed in, you know, the normal fashion, um, that is just absolutely bizarre to me. Yeah. And but at least my efforts of guerrilla marketing have been really beneficial. You know, my community rise to the occasion with all my keynote speeches and then being on Women of Impact and all of that stuff. It's really been it's been a fruitful experience because I think it was a book people were, were waiting for, you know, we're ready. We're ready for anti-diet culture. We're ready for somebody to disrupt this a little bit and, and push the envelope, especially in the ancestral health community, because no one, and the ancestral health community is so dogmatic. No one was talking about anti-dieting. So of course there were people that did not like me, Apparently, I heard two years later that there are people that wouldn't even be caught dead at my keynote speech at the NTA conference because of how disgusted they were by the topic. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That's the first time I'm hearing that. But again, I'm blown away by that. It's just it's bizarre to me, I think. And that's the thing. It's just, and I'm totally copying this term and it's not mine to own. My friend Kim told me, but those triggers are our teachers. So whatever those people are being triggered by work is the shadow work that they need to to deal with. Right. And a lot of that is just not being open to body diversity and this very like fat phobic world that we live in. That's like what it I'm sure for the majority, that's what it boils down to. Yeah, totally. 100 percent. We are a fat phobic society. There's so much fat oppression that goes on in the United States. It's gross. And it's just really heartbreaking. And, you know, when I put all shapes and sizes on the cover of my book, and then nobody wants to have anything to do with it without even reading it, without even needing me, without even understanding what the message is and what I'm trying to accomplish here, it's, it's fascinating to me how people will make opinions based on an image. But people love gossip. They love it. They love to shut people out. They love to, you know, tear 
down and people love just, drama. They that's love for sure. drama. Yeah. But I'm cool with it. I'm cool with it. Happy yeah. Night's been successful and I'm proud of the work, but I do need to change the cover. So I am selling out. I'm sad. <laughs> okay. Well, but it is for the greater good in terms of getting this message in more women's hands that actually need it. Right. Because if that's the barrier, then it makes sense to change it. So I'm here rooting for you, babe. So do you have any idea of what the cover actually is going to be then? It's going to be really basic, very basic and and eye catching. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm very excited. Um, When's that change taking place? Um, I would say early next year, I'm going to kind of do a relaunch. So I'm going to go in and see if there's any revisions that need to be made and like clean up the audiobook a little bit and that kind of stuff. And then just kind of go for a, a part due of, of happy weight and see, see where it goes from there. Well, Hey, we will link it up in the show notes. So everyone can actually get the original version of it. (laughs) Um, and just like sell you out on the original version all of a sudden, that would be awesome. Yeah. Cause it's gonna, it's gonna be gone. It'll no longer be in production in, in a few months. So Gosh, be- well, I'm happy. I have the original version. <laughs> yes. Yay me. Um, okay. So unfortunately I could chat with you forever. Well, fortunately we're friends and I could chat with you forever, but unfortunately the show is coming to an end and since you have been a guest already I have already asked you what it means to you to be unbreakable so why don't we change it up a little and I would like to know what is one practice that you are doing in your life right now to strengthen that unbreakableness about you you know, this is going to sound really weird, but staying hydrated. I've been drinking like 96 ounces of water a day and it's like made me feel mentally more clear. My mood is elevated. I feel, I don't know. I just feel good. No, and I just, love that. I love that because it doesn't have to be like this. Oh, I like do all these like I don't know, celery juicing or whatever the hell, right? (laughs) It can literally be drinking water. And I've never shared this on the podcast before, but I have an I am her list. And it's literally like the basic, basic things that I have to do, like the non-negotiables every day that make me feel my best. And one of those things is drinking enough water. As silly as that sounds, but like I... And my best self when I drink enough water. (laughs) It's true. You can't discount it. I mean, the brain fog alone that comes from dehydration or the digestive upset that comes from dehydration or just really anything. You don't feel on your game when you're dehydrated. So it's yeah, I've I've been focusing really hard on it. And I think it it really makes a difference. Good. No, seriously, the brain fog is real. If you're dehydrated, that is because you get like dizzy and you're like, I just like you're tired. And yeah, it's so tired. So tired. If you're dehydrated, it's like, especially as you get older, you feel like you can't get out of bed if you're dehydrated, you know, and I don't want to feel that. 
I want to enjoy my you want to feel your best yeah speaking of water I've been chatting for the past three hours so I'm like now I really am thirsty so (laughs) I'm gonna go grab some water now (laughs) that sounds good (laughs) okay thank you so much for joining me again sweetheart thank you Meg love you so much love you too 